0: Um, in uh, the book of Matthew, again, we're in chapter 18. We've worked through the first six verses. I do want to kind of uh, make a little comment um, on verse six, still, where it says, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and then he were drowned in the depths of the sea. That kind of sets the stage for the next sort of section of scriptures here because we talked about um, <clears throat> you know how people offend the little ones and that sort of thing, and comparing, the, of course, the little ones to uh, Christians in the world. And uh, I mentioned that the world fails in all of these areas. Uh, we, we talked about humility and reception and defense, uh, defense. I'll get that right here in a minute, Um, or in defending the little ones, but generally, I mean, if you look throughout history, you you know, you're going to see that true Christians, ones who really love the Lord, who've been born again, um, who've trusted Christ, and have stood on the principles of Scripture and the things that they've been taught. Um, And you see how they've been treated. They've always been persecuted. Now, I know there's a lot of people throughout history, different uh, sects, um, nations, uh, sexes, of course, skin color is a big thing. People have been persecuted, put down for those reasons, and enslaved and mistreated and abused, and all that sort of thing. But what I have found at least in in my research is that over time, the most consistently abused um, has been Christians. It happens, you know, in every age. You know, you know, the Israelites, to to begin with, of course, in the Old Testament, they were always persecuted. They were hated by all the other nations. Uh, Christians, during you know, during the first few centuries, you know, they were, well, not just the first few centuries, all the way through, were persecuted. And I, and I know when you look at history and you look at the... Uh, you know the wars, the the crusades, and things like that. And they, you know they they crusaded supposedly in the name of Christ. They carried the cross and all that sort of thing. I think a lot of them those people were deceived, but that was an that was a tool of the devil. And it never was about the Christians and the Muslims. Uh, those were, you know, the the even the so-called Christians then were. Were uh, misled and 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 I think had Satan behind them, because that's not the way a Christian acts. That's not the way a Christian believes. We may we may not we may believe the Muslims are wrong, but we don't kill them for it. And uh, in, in, in in truth, both of those factions were pro were opposed to true Christianity. They really didn't like those who were truly following Christ, and the ones who were truly following Christ wanted nothing to do with the Crusades. But that's just one period of time. You know, you, of course, the Catholic Church is one of the biggest perpetrators of evil against the Christians. You know, that with the uh, all, all the different things that, that they did, um, with the trials and the inquisitions tortures, so many, you know, when you read the books like Fox's Book of Martyrs, Martyr's Mirror, some of those, that's when you learn about how people were persecuted for their faith. And that's always been true. People have always been persecuted for their faith. And by and large, it's been Christians persecuted by somebody. Um, he goes on in verses, uh, starting in verse seven. He says, "Woe unto the world, because of offences, for it must needs be that, that offences come." In other words, when you live in a world of good and evil, and when you know when Satan is unbound, you're gonna, you know, there's gonna be battle. There's gonna be offences. There's gonna be persecutions. So he's saying, you know, that's the way the world is because, we, you know, we're fallen man, and so that evil's always gonna be present till the Lord comes back and puts an end to it. But he says, Woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. And he goes on and does this section about, he says, Wherefore, if thy hand or foot defend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee, it's better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. It's better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. You know, we need to be very careful because I do believe some true Christians have been caught up in this and have persecuted other Christians as a result of it. And I'm, and I'm gonna say something right now that, that's probably going to upset some of my dear friends. I have a lot of close friends. I'm a Baptist always, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm a Baptist by choice, um, not because I was raised Baptist, but because I've studied the various religions and their beliefs and what the scripture teaches. And I believe the Baptists are the ones who've got it right. You can argue with me about that if you want to, but, but but, my position is this. Even though I'm a Baptist, will always be a Baptist. That doesn't cause me to exclude others from the cause of Christ. You know, I, I have a lot of friends who are not Baptists. I have friends who are even Catholic, but of course I have charismatic friends. Um, you know, I have... A lot of different friends that I, I believe, that I know in my heart are born again believers in Jesus Christ I believe they are in spite of what they've been taught, they've at least been taught to put their, their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for their salvation I've gotten to know them well enough to, to say that I believe they're Christians, so having said that I tolerate them Maybe tolerate is a bad word. But I accept them as brothers and sisters in Christ. I accept them with their flaws, with their faults. I do things with them some of my Baptist brethren wouldn't do. I get criticized that I... uh, We'll attend, you know, I have a singing group. We'll go sing wherever we're invited to come and sing, and I get criticized for that. If I'm invited to preach somewhere, I don't care where it is, so I'll go preach the gospel. And the opportunity I have to preach the gospel, I'm going to do it. And so people tell me, oh, you know, why, why are you going to these churches and aren't Baptists to do that? Well, it's because I know there are born-again believers in Christ that live there or that are, that are part of those organizations, part of those groups. And a lot of that is because of this passage. Because it says there are going to be things in your life that are going to, that are going to cause you to make bad decisions. That are going to influence you in the wrong direction. You're going to be, Satan's going to use things in your life to uh, turn you against those who follow Christ. Just because a person's theology is not exactly right doesn't mean they're not following Christ. You know, Paul even said, you know, there's you know, you know, men out there preaching the gospel. Don't, don't worry about it. He said, they're, they're still preaching Christ. It doesn't matter that maybe they're not preaching everything the way they should. I glory in the fact that Christ is preached. And I do. I see people getting saved in a lot of different religions. Now, there are some that are cultic that, you know, I believe uh, are incorrect and really are unable to lead people to Christ. But like Islam, for instance, that's one. Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism, all that Eastern mystic stuff. Obviously, Satanism, things like that. But there are a lot of churches out there that while they may be teaching some doctrinal error, they are teaching the message of salvation. I believe at the root of Catholicism, there is salvation, and that's why there are a lot of saved Catholics. By and large, they're not. The problem with Catholicism is and their leadership and the decisions that have been made over the years at these councils and whatnot i think their leadership is corrupt and um you know they make decisions that are not christ-like but as far as christians are concerned i don't want to be one of these people you know with a with a bad eye or a bad foot or a bad arm or whatever like it talks about in this passage here which says you need to you need to find out what it is in your life that's causing you to view other believers in Christ something less than yourself something um, that says it's okay to persecute them. Of course, persecution today is different from what it was back you know in the old days when you know we don't throw them in a lion's den or anything like that, but just ostracizing people because you have a difference in. ...theological viewpoints... ...that's a form of persecution... ...we need... ...you know, we can stand our ground... ...and believe what we believe... ...and and they know... ...they can know that... ...but... ...that doesn't mean... ...we cut them off as Christians... ...we still love them... ...my philosophy is... ...that... ...if a person truly is... ...a born-again believer in Christ... ...and he's in a church... ...that's teaching false doctrine... ...he needs my friendship... ...he needs my influence... He needs to hear what I've got to say. Maybe we'll get straightened out. I I, I halfway say that in jest, but halfway in reality. Anyway, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that children don't, you know, they don't make wise decisions because they're immature. Many Christians are in the same boat. And so we don't just cut them off because we disagree with them over a particular point. Um, I'm not saying that you know we can build churches together because we're gonna have different theological points and churches need sound theology. But we're still part of the family of God. They're still my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's the way I choose to treat them. And there are many things we can do together and those things we can do together I'm going to. And I'm going to try to eliminate the things in my life that try to separate me from other Christians and cause me to want to persecute them. He goes on in verse 10, he says, uh, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. God knows, hey, you know, and this is if you're, if you're a believer in guardian angels, um, this is one of those verses that kind of supports that. That says, you know, there are angels, I think, that view our lives. Not that God doesn't know what's going on already, but they'll pass this information along. He uses them to monitor things that occur during life. And he talks about how sometimes they appear before us and we may not even realize it. Um, but, but I think there is this great cloud of witnesses that observes how we treat others and what we do to others and how we conduct ourselves as a body of believers, as children of the King. And we need to be very careful about how we go about doing that and how we allow things to come into our lives that will cause us to offend or humiliate or or refuse to receive those who love the Lord with all their heart, and they're just trying to serve God to the best of their ability. And, and yeah, maybe they make a lot of mistakes, but maybe that's because they've got some bad theology in their lives. They need us. Folks, don't, uh, don't let Satan use something in your life to turn you against the children of God. I believe scripture says not to do that. Be very wary of, of how we treat one another Well, I went on a little bit longer about that than I intended to. I filled a whole segment about that. It's kind of a maybe a pet peeve of mine, but nonetheless, I did. We're at the end of the time here. So uh, God bless you. We'll shut down now. Catch you on the next go-round. God bless.